I am so glad that uh, that God's word it is rich, and I am telling you there, uh, it, it amazes me sometimes how that God can say so much in just one sentence and one phrase. He can uh, just fit so much in there, and it's a blessing. You know, men uh, they they write some books and they write different things, and it is pages and pages. And uh, Congress is getting worse and worse about it. They'll have you know, a something they're voting on that's 9,000 pages that they just finished the night before. Now tell me who's read that. That's impossible. And uh, I, I can tell you that because when, uh, when I was in school, in law school, we were reading, uh, you know, a couple hundred pages a night of cases and everything else. And that's about all you can do. You, you cannot read 9,000 pages in a night. I guarantee you that. Uh, and, um, but I'm glad that God's word, he doesn't need that. He doesn't need, uh, you know, volumes and volumes. He can tell us to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, and that replaces all kinds of things. Or he can uh, say in the beginning, God. And that tells you a, right, a lot right there, you know, that uh, men would take a long time to explain. But I, I'm just thankful for his word. But First Peter chapter 1, uh, we're going to start in verse 1 and go down to verse 5. Uh, it says this, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered through Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bith, uh, Bithynia, uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. I like the Trinities right there. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God uh, and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that uh, fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time Lord we thank you for your word tonight we thank you that it's true it's powerful Lord uh, I'm glad that we can stand on it tonight Lord help me to preach Lord fill me with the unction of the Holy Spirit uh, fill our hearts with understanding tonight Lord we don't want to confuse the word but Lord we ask that you just make it come alive and before us today and Lord help us to uh, take a and, and apply it to our life and think about it and Lord we thank you for what your word has done Lord it is it is our bedrock it's how we know you it's how we know what you expect of us and we thank you for it in Jesus name and amen so Peter uh, is introducing himself in verse 1, uh, and you, you think about him, he is first in the list of all the apostles. You know, he's kind of the lead one, uh, but he didn't write uh, that he's a chief apostle of Jesus Christ. I like where he just says he's an apostle. You know, I, you, know you look at the men of God that, uh, especially in the New Testament that wrote, they, uh, uh, they are not bragging or anything else. They're just, uh, they feel like servants just like the rest of us, you know, they uh, they feel unworthy for salvation and they're uh, uh, glad that they are playing a part of God's plan. Uh, but this letter, I mean, you just imagine what it would have been like to have been a church receiving a letter like this. A Christian, this would have been powerful. Uh, and he's writing to the some of the churches in Asia Minor, which is in modern day Turkey. Uh, in the Roman Empire. And he says this, um, verse 2, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now a couple months ago, I think it was September, 
I preached just about an entire message on verse 2, so I'm not going to re-go uh, over that. But if you didn't hear that uh, when I preached it, I took this verse along with Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, uh, and I kind of put those two together, and, and uh, the bulk of the message was this. God chose us, and we chose God. You know, those things go together. Uh, again, I'm not going to re-preach that, but uh, I believe a lot of times men have taken one side or another side, uh, and I feel like when you do that, when the Bible covers both sides and you pick one over the other, you're no different than the guy getting the pen knife out and cutting things out, or you're no different than Jefferson cutting things out of the Bible. Uh, you know, if you ignore a verse, you're cutting it out. I mean, that's all there is to it. But one of the great things about it is if you think about, uh, you know, we've got debates uh, amongst ourselves. We can sit down and talk about uh, what does elect mean? What's the foreknowledge of God mean? Uh, what, what choice does men have in salvation versus what uh, choice God has and we can go back and forth and different things but one of the blessings of because I've got other brothers and sisters that I love dearly uh, that believe differently in that area uh, but one of the great things is <clears throat> it's something we can discuss but here's the thing when we come together uh, what I found a lot of times is Sure, we can kind of disagree about that, but we're not splitting because we are not, uh, uh, at least uh, the preachers that I know that believe differently, we are not in the business of trying to figure out how wickedly we can live and still get to heaven. Amen? I, I am not here to try to figure out how far away from God's will I can get and still make it in. I don't want to be like Lot. I, I wouldn't say, so we're all preaching kind of the same thing. We need to do God's will and be in the center of it and try to live righteously and try to live biblically. And that, that's why we can still come together even with those differences. But again, uh, uh, verse 2, not going to re-preach that, but verse 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There's all kinds of stuff packed into there but it is clear verse 2 and verse 3 are talking about salvation they're talking about uh, people that are saved and if you're talking about salvation in verse 2 what does Peter start out verse 3 with blessed right uh, we are blessing God because he has saved us amen any way you look at it uh, uh, we need to praise God for him saving us uh, and, and here's the thing uh, some think that salvation came to man because God hated man and God was mad at man. No salvation came to man because God loved us, right? And his abundant was, or his mercy is abundant. You see that more than enough. Uh, his will was not for any of us to perish, but all that would come to eternal life. Uh, and that mercy doesn't come through a whole bunch of methods. It comes through Jesus Christ. And not even Jesus' teachings, because I've seen some that will say, well, I try to live by the Sermon on the Mount, or I try to live by this. That's not where eternal life comes from. That's not where, that's no different than trying to live the law. Amen. Uh, the, the salvation, the eternal life doesn't come from believing that Jesus walked on water. I mean, if you believe that, that's a good thing. But the devils uh, uh, believe and tremble that he's God, but that's not enough. It's that we believe that he died for the sins of the world on the cross. He was buried and he rose on the third day. That's the thing. It's his resurrection from the dead. That is the hope. And if you're saved today, 
It's a blessing. Amen. And we should praise God for that. But look what he says, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again. You know, every one of us, God allowed us to be born into this world the first time. Amen. We're all here. We were all born. We came the same way. And it's because of Jesus Christ that we were begotten again. Amen. Or what's another way of saying it? Born again, right? Or a new creature in Christ. It's all the same. The Bible uses interchanging phrases uh, of the same thing. So whatever you call it, I'm born again, begotten again, new creature in Christ. Isn't it a blessing that we have a totally new new life but here's the thing we should never forget that it's because of his abundant mercy that we get a new life and that be that we've gotten a new life so we're not the same as we used to be and these things again this this is more simple right now this isn't any new groundbreaking anything but sometimes we have to remember it and that's what peter was reminding them right off the bat he's saying hey we should always stop and praise god that we're saved praise god his uh, mercy's abundant right because we need abundant mercy and praise god that he's given us a new life all because jesus died and rose from the dead but look at verse four this is where it started really hooking me in to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. Now I'm going to get really simple right here because sometimes I got to simplify it to myself. And I have heard people say that the inheritance is heaven. Well, if you look at the phrase to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth away reserved in heaven for you. There's a heaven, and inside of the heaven is an inheritance. They're different. They're not the same thing, right? He says it's in heaven. And again, that seems simple. So the inheritance is in heaven. There's more than heaven that's waiting for us. Amen? Sometimes we think, well, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven. Well, God's telling us here and many other times that inside of heaven's an inheritance. And also inside of heaven is Jesus Christ. Amen? And we're never going to be apart from him. It's reserved. You know what that means? It's waiting for us. Amen. It's already there. It's waiting for us. It has our name on it. Uh, the closest we can get now is there uh, a lot of these places, whether it's a store or fast food or whatever, uh, you can get on their app. You can order something and you can have it there waiting for you. You don't even have to shop in the store anymore. You just go right in, give them your name. And if they've done everything right, there it is. Or sometimes they even bring it out and put it in your trunk. It's reserved for you. But even better, there's an inheritance reserved for us. But you know what? Peter doesn't tell us what it is. He tells us what it isn't. Right? You see what he's saying? It isn't. It's incorruptible. Right? It's undefiled and fadeth not away. And if you think of those descriptions, you think, well, it seems we should be able to figure it out. I, I was thinking about it. There's nothing in this world that can meet all three of those. Amen? Everything in this world gets corrupted. Everything in this world gets defiled, right? Everything in this world wears away, uh, goes away, fades away, is used up. 
It expires. Jesus said this, Matthew 6, 19 and 20. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up your treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. What do we have today in our homes? We've got locks. We've got cameras now. We got cameras on the doorbell. We got cam even here at the church. We've had to put in different cameras because of things that have happened here. Uh, uh, you know, people have dogs. People have guns. Everything else to protect our valuables. But Jesus is saying that no thief will be able to steal any inheritance. You know, thieves are pretty wise. They they will study things. They will uh, get on the inside. They'll hack. They'll do all these things to uh, you know to make these big heists and everything else. But they are not stealing our inheritance amen if the devil could take it he would but he can't it won't be eaten by moths it won't be corrupted nobody's going to take it and we get a little glimpse but Paul so Peter tells us what it's not Paul gives us a little more of a glimpse and I love this verse well these two verses Ephesians 1 13 and 14 says this in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I'm going to stop right there. Anyone who says that sometime later you get the Holy Spirit as if it's years later is wrong. In whom also after that ye believed, so that as soon as you trusted in Jesus Christ for your Savior, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory we got the holy spirit after we were saved and what's he call it the earnest of our inheritance I learned long time ago, I started in mortgage, and you've got that earnest deposit a lot of times when you're uh, wanting to buy a piece of property, and what that's saying here is a piece, here's a deposit, it's not the whole purchase price, it's a piece of it to say that I will do, I will give you the rest, I will make good, and that is the, uh, uh, the metaphor that the Lord has given us through his word, that when we receive the Holy Spirit, it is that earnest of what? The inheritance, right? Remember, the inheritance that is incorruptible, that, uh, that won't fade away, uh, that's not uh, going to go away. Nobody can steal it or anything else. He said, when you got the Holy Spirit in your life, you got a little piece of that inheritance. My goodness. And one of the best pictures of that whole thing that I can find is in Genesis 24. I, I, the Old Testament, uh, it just puts things in such vivid pictures. Genesis 24 is, this, is where uh, Abraham gets his servant and tells him to go find a bride for Isaac. And if you've not heard me uh, or someone preach this, there is definitely a literal story. This is historical. It really happened. Isaac was a real person. Uh, Rebecca's real, the servant's real, Abraham's real. Uh, he really went to do this. Uh, he came back with Rebecca, and that story is beautiful, but I believe there's a huge spiritual picture behind it uh, that uh, Abraham is a picture of God the Father, Isaac is a picture of God the Son, the servant is a picture of the Holy Spirit, and Rebecca is the picture of the bride. And when you put all of that together, if you don't know the story, so the servant, Abraham makes the servant promise and say, you go find the bride. Isaac's staying here. He's not going, right? He's not going 
to go get the bride. The bride's coming to him. Amen. Right? Jesus Christ isn't coming down here. We're meeting him in the air. Amen. But when that servant goes to the bride, remember he stops at that well. And he's praying to God and basically saying, God, will you just send the right woman? Let me know that it's really her. And remember, she comes and she uh, draws water, not just for him, but for his animals and everything else. And when the servant realized that she was the one, Genesis 24, verse 22 says, The servant took a golden earring of half a shekel weight and two bracelets for her hands of ten shekels weight of gold. So he gave her this jewelry that probably she had never seen this uh, amount of wealth. She didn't have anything like this, I guarantee and remember, she goes back to her home and tells them that she met the servant wearing this jewelry, right? And you're thinking, well, what, what's this jewelry have to do with it? Well, later on, they're asking, like, where, you know, what is this? And she's describing, and then the servant's describing, this is just a small little piece of what's back at father's house. Amen. You think these riches are a lot. You, I mean, you, I'm sure you love the bracelet and the earrings and everything else. It's, it's beautiful. It's full of, it's pure gold and everything else. But wait till you see what's at father's house. Now take that back to what Ephesians says. Uh, in whom also you trusted after that you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also that you have believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase possession under the praise of his glory we don't have golden bracelets right now but we've got the holy spirit and when you feel the holy spirit working in your life guiding you convicting all of those things giving you power blessing us and and teaching us all of those things are just like those golden bracelets and earrings it's a taste an earnest a little bit that's saying god is telling us hey you like what you see there. You wait till you see the rest. Hmm. That's why Peter can't describe it. What's he going to describe? There's no way to describe it. I can't wait till we see what's in Father's house. Amen. Then we get to verse 5. I like this one. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And really, this is the one I, I wanted to focus on. This is the one that drew me. So after looking at verse 4, it makes you wonder, right? I, I want to get to heaven, amen? I want to get that inheritance that is reserved for me. I want to be where Jesus is. But how do we get there? Well, we know we get there by salvation in Jesus Christ. We've already covered that earlier on. But here's the question. See, it's easy for the thief there dying on the cross and trusting in Jesus Christ and him saying, this day shall thou be with me in paradise, knowing that in a matter of hours he's going to die and they're going to be together in heaven. Amen? It's easier for him to trust because it's only hours. What if it's years? What if it's decades? What if it's a lifetime from when you trusted Jesus in salvation to when you actually leave this life? It's a little harder, isn't it? Because in the meantime, what happens? Doubts creep in, right? These different things, we start to think about things. 
Are we sure we're even going to see the inheritance? How can we be sure? Well, what's verse 5 say? Because remember, it's talking about those who are saved. Remember, or up in verses 2 and 3, those that are saved, well, saved, verse 2. 3, we're praising God for salvation. 4, he's talking about the inheritance. And now 5, we know the group he's talking about, the saved, the ones that are going to heaven, who are kept by the power of God. Do you see that? Oh, it's a blessing to be saved, right? It's a blessing to get his abundant mercy. Uh, but imagine this. Imagine if our forgiveness, our salvation only lasted as long as we live perfectly. It wouldn't be any good, would it? Yeah. What, or as long as, I mean, you just put whatever group of requirements you want out there uh, that we can't uh, meet, uh, it wouldn't be, there would be no real hope in that. There'd be no real peace in that. I mean, you're thinking, well, that's great, Mike, that I've got an incorruptible, undefiled inheritance that nobody can take away, uh, but I, I'll never get to see it. But I like what he's saying. Here's the thing. If you're saved by Jesus Christ, amen? If you're saved the way the Bible talks about being saved, if you're trusting in the gospel, amen, and not something else, God's word says, you're saved by God, and you're kept by God. That's what he's saying. Because if we're honest, you and I don't have the, we didn't have the power to save ourselves. We don't have the power to keep ourselves either. Amen? We don't have that power. We don't have that. In fact, some days look at the amount of power we really have. I mean, think about it. Some of our great days as a Christian, amen, what have we even really done? And then think about our crummy days. What have we done? Some days you barely even have enough faith to pray and, or, or time or whatever. I mean, in these different, doing some simple things for the Lord. But you know what the devil wants? He wants us to be afraid. He wants us to doubt. He wants us to question. He wants us to do all these things and think that every little imperfection will keep you from heaven. And that's a lie. 1 John 1 or 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That's the saved. That ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Here's the thing. I, I, I tell you what. I've talked to different people through the years. And have asked the question. If you died today you know if you would go to heaven? And you know what a lot of times the answer is? Either it's a resounding yes, or it's an I hope so, or I don't know, or maybe, or we'll see. 1 John 5.13 is probably the clearest one, and it's not the only one, but it's the clearest that says we can know that we're saved, and we need to know. This is not a maybe thing, not a hope so thing. It's not a mystery. It's not a wait and see. It's a now. Are you saved now? Did you admit you're a sinner? Did you call on Jesus' name for forgiveness of sins? Then yes, you're saved. And if you're saved, you're kept. And you can know that you're kept. And if you believe, here's the thing. I think sometimes it's easier for us to believe that he's keeping the inheritance, right? We, heaven's secure, right? We're not worried about anyone taking our inheritance. 
Why are we worried about someone taking our salvation away from us? Right? If he can keep the inheritance, he can keep the saint. Amen? He can do both. Because an inheritance doesn't mean much if you don't know if you'll get it or not. Now, that promise has two parts in the verse, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And here's the thing. That promise, you can't separate those two parts. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. You know, a lot of groups, this is again where groups will split. And they will build up one side and they'll downplay the other side. They'll say, well, I'm kept by the power of God. Oh, but that faith, well, it's, let's not talk about that. Right? They're together. It goes together. You can't separate that. Here's the thing. Oh, kept by the power of God. And you're saying, okay, yes, God's powerful. He's keeping me. Okay, so what powerful thing are you trusting in if it's not through faith and salvation? Well, God created this universe and, and I trust that the God that created this universe, I, I, I trust that he's the one that will keep me. That's not the most powerful thing he's ever done. Oh, this is powerful. I mean, you look out in the stars, you, the energy and everything else that's going on, uh, the, the life that he's created, all those things are powerful and miraculous. But the most powerful thing he's ever done was on the cross, dying for our sins and raising from the dead on the third day. No more powerful thing than that. So how can I have assurance that God will keep me? Because we put our faith and, and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And he's the one that will be revealed in the last time. That's the last part of the verse. And here's the thing. If I put my faith in myself, I'd have no real hope. No real peace. No real trust. Right? I'll let you down. I've let myself down. But that's not what we're putting it in. That's not going to keep us till the end. It only comes through Paul's or through faith unto salvation in Jesus Christ. Look what Paul said of himself. 2 Timothy 4 7. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. He could say at the end of his life that he kept the faith, the same faith. That he was warning the Colossians earlier, Colossians 1, and 23, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unprovable in his sight. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which ye have preached to every creature which is under heaven, wherein, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister." Paul is telling them, don't you dare follow any of these false teachers that will come along. Amen. They will come along. They've already come along. They're going to continue coming along. They come along now. They've changed in and out. They've added to. Uh, but there are always going to be false teachers till the Lord uh, takes uh, the last one of them out. But here's the thing. I, I, here's where I diverge from some of the others. I don't believe if you started your faith in Jesus Christ unto salvation and it was the real faith faith and the faith and everything else and then you later replace your faith with Jesus with Muhammad God I don't believe God is keeping that faith in Muhammad he's not keeping it but here's the other thing 
Peter was saying that we're kept by the power of God through faith and the salvation. The Holy Spirit was revealing that to him. And it can't mean that we never have doubts. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying you don't ever doubt that your faith is secure because there will be days where you're not sure if you're saved. Right? And you're thinking, well, Mike, I've never had a day like that. Well, you've, ne you've never had a trial big enough is the problem. Right? You've never had an emotion, emotional time or a, 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 a mental time where you just uh, didn't believe it because you thought uh, uh, being in joy was always happy and it hasn't always been happy and isn't always uh, roses and everything else. But any time I've ever doubted and questioned, I've got to go right back to his word. Amen? And remember where I started. And that faith in Jesus Christ that I started with is the same one I'm trusting with and I have to remind myself even if it doesn't feel good, even if I'm not happy today, even if I don't like the situation that I'm in, I am still saved whether I feel it, feel like it or not. Because keeping the faith doesn't mean never losing hope and never doubting. But I believe it means never trading your salvation in Jesus Christ for something else. Because if it was more than that, Again, we wouldn't be able to do it. We can't live perfectly. We can't live up to God's standard. We can't do any of that. That doesn't make it a license to sin. But all it should do is point us looking back up at heaven and saying, God, you are abundant mercy. Praise your name. Praise your name. Glorify your name. What a God. All these things together. Listen, we are going to finish this thing the same way we started this thing, and it's through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.